This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd with the Moody Church Christ. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today we want to look at a lesson. You know, last time we looked at you know, what am I worth to God. Well, we want to ask another question today, and that is, what's in it for me? You see, human nature is such that when we're given the opportunity to do something, we often ask, what's in it for me? If we're offered a new job, we find out what they pay, we find out what the benefits are, we try to find out how much opportunity there is for someone to move up in the company and such as that, so what's in it for me? When we're given the opportunity to maybe engage in a business venture, we want to find out what the risks are that are involved, what can we gain from it. In other words, what's in it for me? Well, God offers everyone the opportunity to obey Him and become a Christian. But as in other opportunities that we've already looked at, the question is, what's in it for me? I want to look at four things today that will come to the life of a person as we try to answer this question. Christianity. What's in it for me? In Luke, you know, we need to understand first of all that salvation is one thing that's in it for me. Now the question arises then, salvation from what? What do I need to be saved from? In Luke chapter 19 verses 9 and 10, here Jesus speaking to Zacchaeus said, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So salvation needs to come to those who are lost. Well, who are those that are lost? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, there says this, The wages of sin is death. But then he also says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So if we sin, then we are lost, and the wages of sin is death. That would be spiritual death, death for an eternity. Well, what is sin? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, makes this comment. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. So whenever we transgress God's law that is found in the New Testament for us today, then we sin, and all that have reached an accountable age have sinned, and therefore deserve eternal punishment. But Jesus said, I'm come to, Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, how do we find that? In John chapter 14, verse 6, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, this is Thomas he's speaking to, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to obtain salvation. That's what we're looking at. Because if we come to the Father, God the Father, then we obtain salvation. And we do that through Jesus Christ. 
in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there it writes, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name <clears throat> under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 tells us that. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. So talking there about the man that Peter and John had, had healed there in Acts chapter 3, and he mentions that there is salvation. There's no other name. You cannot be saved in the name of Mormon. You cannot be saved in the name of the Hindu religion or whatever you want to look at. The only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave some commands. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, says, Jesus came and spake unto them, that being the apostles, saying, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Mark chapter 15, 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, that would be in the 11, verse 14 tells us, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So right there we have Jesus himself saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And then here in Mark 16, 15, and 16, we are to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. There is salvation that is given. What's in it for me in Christianity? Salvation is there. Peter was asked about the same thing there in Acts chapter 2. And we want to begin reading there in verse 36. Acts chapter 2. Begin reading there in verse 36. Peter there says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They came to the understanding that they had killed God's son. They had crucified him. Is there anything we can do? Because they believed Peter's preaching there. Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter told them what they needed to do in order to have salvation. And we need to do the very same things today. Now we've seen that we have to go through Jesus to God the Father. He's the only place salvation is found. We're to go in the world, preach that gospel to every creature, those that believe it, and are baptized shall be saved. Acts 2.38 says we are to repent as well. 
In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul there wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that's the gospel that Jesus was talking about preaching there in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and Mark 16, 15, and 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it's not only salvation for the Jews, the entire world has the opportunity for salvation. In Romans chapter 4, verse 8, Romans chapter 4, verse 8, what happens when we receive salvation? It says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. The Lord will not impute sin to those who are faithful to him, those that obey the gospel. In Romans chapter 6, look at verses 17 and 18. Romans 6, 17 and 18. Paul there says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Now, he says a few things in here. God be thanked, you know, you were the servants of sin. He's not thanking God that they were sinners. He's thanking God that they used to be servants of sin, but now they have obeyed that form of doctrine, that gospel, Romans 1.16, what Peter said to do in Acts 2.38, what Jesus said to do in Mark 16.15 and 16, they obeyed that. They believed and were baptized. They repented and were baptized. And they were now free from sin and are the servants of righteousness. Again, right here, Romans 6.18. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verses 8 through 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. It says, But let us who are of the day, we're walking in the light, I guess you would say, 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. So verse 8 again, 1 Thessalonians 5, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. In other words, we don't have to face God's wrath if we have obtained salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. In other words, right there he's saying, whether we are alive when he comes back or whether we are dead when he comes back, he's going to raise us from the dead. And that's what chapter 4 tells us down there, verse 16 and 17 and 18, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, or in that manner, shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now we have to know what to do. In 2 Timothy, look at chapter 3, verse 15. 2 Timothy 3, 15. He tells Timothy there that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy had been taught from a child, and he knows or he knew the Holy Scriptures, and they are what able are able to make us wise to salvation. In other words, they help us to understand what we need to do to have salvation. In Hebrews, excuse me, Titus first, Titus chapter two, look at verses eleven through fifteen. Titus two eleven to fifteen says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, so everyone has the opportunity for salvation. Verse 12, teaching us, so the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He gave a ransom us from iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar or special people zealous of good works. And he says, these things speak and exhort, rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. And now go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. It says, so Christ once was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There's that word salvation again. In 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And again, as we mentioned a while ago, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. It keeps on cleansing. So we ask the question, Christianity, what's in it for me? Salvation. Salvation is in it. Now let's look at a second thing that is what's in it for me. That's service. Now, this is not others serving us, but us serving others. Jesus set the example there in John 13, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 17. John 13, 12 to 17. This is after he washed their feet. So, so after he, Jesus, had washed there the apostles' feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I've done to you? Well, yeah, he, he washed their feet. No, that's not what he's saying. Do you know what I just did? Verse 13, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. Now, what does that mean? We need to go around washing each other's feet in a tub or something? No. Jesus is showing them here that he is their master and Lord, and he has humbled himself to serve them. 
we are to humble ourselves to serve others. Verse 15, Jesus says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now here's where we get into this part. The servant's not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So right there he's saying, the servant's not greater than the Lord. And yet here we have Jesus serving the servants. And we have him sending them, and they're not greater than he is, and yet he washed their feet. He is showing service to others. So we're not to be selfish. We are to serve others. In Matthew 25, look there at verses 34 to 40. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. He says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he gives the reason. Four. I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Now you think about it, is all that that's all it required for salvation? No. Under the patriarchal law, they had to do the animal sacrifices. Under the Mosaic law, animal sacrifices. Under the Christian law, the law of Christ today, Christ's sacrifice. We are to obey his word. But these things he just mentioned, they would apply to every dispensation of time. Well, verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. So there is service that we are to have for others. In Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word bear there comes from a Greek word that means remove. Burdens means sorrows or a load. There are those around us who have sorrows. They have loads on their backs, and we are to remove that. We are to help them. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 3 through 8. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. He says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. You see, that's something that comes in this what's in it for me Christianity. I am going to esteem others better than me, and yet others are going to esteem me better than them. That puts us on an equal playing field, doesn't it? Verse 4, look not every man on his own things. Don't just take care of your own stuff. Don't be selfish. But look every man also on the things of others. What do they need? What can I do to help? So in other words, let this mind be in you which was in Christ, also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was part of the Godhead. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion, the outward appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of a cross, a humiliating death, a death that people suffer so bad 
And yet you look at the scourging and everything he went through, and we are to have the mind of Christ. Be a servant. In Hebrews chapter 10, look at verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider one another or observe fully to provoke or stimulate unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I found a little article there. I want to read it this time. This comes from the Rising Star uh, Bulletin from May 30th, 2002, and it's just entitled, Give Me the Truth, and it was written by Bill Cruz. He writes, If you're my friend, if you're concerned about my soul, give me the truth. Do not flatter me. Do not praise my virtues while remaining silent about my vices. Do not fear that the truth will offend me. Do not treasure our friendship, our friendly relations above my salvation. Do not think that by ignoring my sins you can help. Do not think that by being blind to my sins will prove yourself charitable. However I may react to it, whatever may be my attitude toward you after you've done it, give me the truth. For the truth and only the truth can make me free from the shackles of sin, strengthen me in the pathway of righteousness, and lead me to the joys of heaven. If I am wavering, weak, lukewarm, indifferent, neglectful, if I have been overtaken in a trespass, if I have been drawn into the pleasures of the world, if I have left my first love, if I have been led astray by error, or if I have done none of these things, but simply need to grow in knowledge and be edified, give me the truth. Give me the truth. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus knows our service. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars and everything. But then he said, I have something against you. You left your first love there in verse 4. In verse 9, he goes, I know thy works, thy tribulation and poverty, but you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Down in, excuse me, verse 13. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and thou hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But then he says, I have a few things against you. We look a little further down in verse 19. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works to be there more than the first. But then he says, I have a few things against you. Dropping on down. We look in chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name or reputation that thou livest and are dead. In chapter 3, verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. And in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou wert cold or hot. They're fighting the battle of indifference. You see, Jesus knows what we do. He knows the service that we do for him and for others. The third thing in the Christianity, what's in it for me question, self-denial. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus there says, He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's a lot in that verse. If we want to follow Christ, we have to deny ourselves, deny my wishes, my wants, my desires, and make them Christ wishes, Christ wants, Christ's desires. Take up his cross. To take up the cross in the first century meant to carry your cross to your death. That meant death. They're denying themselves every day, daily. And when we do that, then can we follow him. Oh, but I don't want to do that. I want to follow Christ, but I don't want to have to do all that. Well, Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus said there, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's included in self-denial. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because they did not do the will of the Father that is in heaven, and part of that will that the Father requires is self-denial. In Romans chapter 12, look at verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He goes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now what does he mean by that before we go on? We are to offer ourselves a free and voluntary offering of ourselves as a living sacrifice, denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily. That's a living sacrifice. And that sacrifice is to be holy, acceptable unto God, which is our, your reasonable service. It's only logical that we would want to serve God because God has given us salvation and we will want to deny ourselves so that we can do that and, verse 2, be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't act like the world. Don't dress like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't do the things the world says and does and thinks and stuff. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That little word renewing there comes from a Greek word that means to renovate. We're renovating our minds. How? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's self-denial. Galatians 2.20 also mentions self-denial. It says there, I am crucified with Christ. What does that mean? That goes back to Luke 9.23, does it not? Deny yourselves, take up your cross daily. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I am a living sacrifice. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He is on the throne of my life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am denying myself, taking up my cross every day, and living the way that he would have me to do it because he loved me. And he gave himself for me so that I can have this salvation and this service for others and God. And I practice this self-denial. Well, what is some things that are involved in self-denial? Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Look at verses 5 through 7. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Paul says, mortify. In other words, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. In other words, these worldly lusts. First one is fornication, premarital sex, homosexuality, adultery, sex with animals. That's all included in fornication. Uncleanness means lustful living. Inordinate affection, vile passion. Evil concupiscence, longing for what is forbidden, and covetousness, longing for things of others that you shouldn't get, which is idolatry. Verse 6 says, for which things sake, these things that we just looked at that we're to put to death, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. Now, you used to walk and you used to practice these things, but you don't anymore. But now he says, do this too. Put ye, oh now, but now ye also put off. In other words, you take this off like a filthy old rags, clothes, put off anger, put off wrath, anger there means you're provoked, wrath is boiling anger, malice is the desire to injure, blasphemy is to vilify or slander, and filthy communication out of your mouth, that vile, dirty, conversation. And then verse 9, lie not to one another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We went ahead and went down to verse 10. And I'm going to mark in my notes here that I want to go to verse 10 not to just verse 7. So in other words, self-denial. If I get me out of my life, then and only then can Christ enter into my life. Now, the fourth thing in this Christianity, what's in it for me, is something that people may not want. And that's suffering. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verses 10 through 12. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. <clears throat> he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Verse 11, Persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what person persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You think of some of the things, you know, Paul had run out of Antioch, run out of Iconium, stoned at Lystra, and on and on you could go. But he suffered. 
but he was willing to do that. In Matthew chapter 5, look at verses 10 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so, or in that way, that like manner, persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So if you are being persecuted, you're in good company. You go back and think about the prophets that were persecuted. You think of Isaiah. You believe that Isaiah and Jewish tradition has that he was sawn in half under Manasseh, King Manasseh. Think about Jeremiah. He was cast into a pit. He was accused of treason and everything else. He was forced to go into Egypt. They persecuted the prophets. And we're in good company if we're persecuted today. In Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 22. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He says there, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. The world hates us because we're not like the world. We're not conformed to the world as we saw all ago in Romans 12 too. We're to be transformed away from that world just like that butterfly is transformed out of that old ugly caterpillar. In John chapter 15, look at verses 18 to 22. John chapter 15, verses 18 to 22. Jesus there says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. In other words, they would have had, they would have had excuses for their sin, but they don't have that excuse anymore. Whenever we teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to affect them. They're either going to accept it or they're going to reject it. That's what Jesus said there. If they accept it, they'll love you. If they reject it, they hate you. In John 16, verses 1 and 2, it says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended the American Standard says, made to stumble. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. They, what do you think about Saul of Tarsus? Oh, he, he was standing there holding the cloaks of those fellows that were stoning Stephen. He thought that was wonderful. Because Stephen, he was, he, 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 he promoted Jesus Christ. He called us a bunch of snakes. Yeah, he deserved to die. Well, no. But they thought they were doing God's service when they killed him. That's what Saul of Tarsus thought. He learned better. 
And then look at Acts chapter 9, verses 13 to 16. Acts chapter 9, verses 13 to 16. Paul is now in the city of Damascus. And God has sent Ananias to Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And he was willing to suffer. Look at 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 28. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 24 through 28. Well, 23 to 28. Get the full context here. He says there, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times I received, or received I forty stripes, save one. Five times forty is two hundred. So you take five from that, still 195 stripes. Thrice was I beaten with rods. No limit there. Once was I stoned. Think about Lystra. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. And this is before the shipwreck there when he was going from Antioch to Rome. A night and the day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters, that would be rivers, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care or anxiety of all the churches. He endured so many things. He suffered so much and yet, he was willing to do that. In chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, the text mentions there about the thorn in the flesh that he received. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, well, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He glories in all these things. And you think about it, all of the apostles except John met a violent death and he was exiled. They all suffered. In Revelation 2.10, as we look at that verse, and not just the last part of it, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Here he's speaking there to the Jews, or the church in Smyrna. He says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Ten days, a perfect amount of time. Be thou faithful unto death and I'll give thee the crown of life. You be faithful even if it costs you your life, and you will receive a crown of life. Paul said there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, For I'm now ready to be offered. <laughs> 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You think about our first, second, third, fourth century brethren under Roman persecution. So Christianity, what's in it for me? Salvation. But then service. Service to God, service to our fellow man. Self-denial. Denying self daily. Taking up our crosses daily. And suffering. You see, if you want to get into Christianity, you got to count the cost. Are you willing to go through what we have to go through in order to be a child of God? Or put it this way, is the salvation of your soul worth a life of service, a life of self-denial, a life of suffering? Is it worth that to you? I want to close with a couple of passages. Let's look at Luke six or Luke fourteen, twenty-six to thirty-three. Luke fourteen twenty-six. It says, "If any man come to me, and hate not his father or mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple." And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Verse 30, saying, When this, or this man began to build was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So, likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We have to count the cost. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, Christianity, what's in it for me? Salvation but I'm going to have to serve, I'm going to have to deny myself, and I'm going to have to suffer, but it will be worth it. So again, this is Don Boyd with the Moody Church of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in with us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.